Morgan. Okay, so here we go. So today's daf is daf Nunhei in Mesech Zivamis, page 55, and we are up to the very first word on today's daf. Baruch Hashem, let's remind ourselves of the sugya that we are dealing with. So here's the story. Ready? The story happened. This guy's wife goes overseas, and they told him that his wife died. Now, you're not allowed to marry two sisters when the first sister is still alive. So after his wife died, he went and married her paternal sister, the sister that shared the same father. Is that biblically allowed? Yes, because again, he was expecting his wife to not be around right now. So far, so good, right? Fine. Then... His wife goes out of town, wife number two goes out of town, and, and they tell him, your second wife died. And he marries that second wife's maternal sister. So in other words, woman number three and woman number one are not related. Woman number two is kind of connecting them, right? Because women, woman number one, woman number two were paternal sisters. They shared the same dad. And then woman number two, woman number three were maternal sisters. They shared the same mom. Woman one and woman three did not share any parents whatsoever. Mm. The most you could call them are step-siblings, if even. Okay? If even. If the parents weren't married, they weren't even step-siblings. But be it as it may, okay. Then the third wife dies, and he marries the third wife's paternal sister. Then that wife dies, and he marries her maternal sister. And then they tell him, you know what, nobody died. Oh, and it turns out nobody was dead. So we said in the Brisa, or the Mishnah, we said in the Mishnah, listen, you're married to woman one, three, and five. You're not married to woman one and two very, for very logical reasons. If you're married to woman number one, woman number two, who's her paternal sister, the marriage would not be valid. You can't be married. To, it's not going to be a valid marriage. There's a chi of kares in that. Nachon? You understand? Yeah. So woman number one he's married to, woman number two he's not married to. Is he going to be married now to woman number three? Of course. Because woman number three is only related to woman number one in, no, in, in a way that doesn't exist. Right. She was the paternal sister of woman number two. She's like, woman two was never my wife. So it's, I'm fine with woman number three. So, and so on and so forth. So I'm now married to woman one, three, and five. The Bryso went on to say, what happens... If it turns out that woman number one, Taka, died, so then you're married to woman two. You're not married to woman three because she's a half-sister of woman two. You are married to four. In other words, if nobody's dead, you're married to one, three, five. If the first one, Taka, died, then you're married to two and four instead of three and five. So the order okay? is important in which they married. It's That's right. That's right. The order is important at which they married because whoever you married first, uh-huh. you're married to her and not her sister. Now, here's where our Gemara picks up on the top of Daphne. Here's where it picks up. According to what we just said, according to what we just said, you're not allowed to marry sisters, for sure if they're whole sisters, they share both parents, and you're not even allowed to marry sisters if they are paternal sisters, or maternal sisters, right? According for this mission to make sense, mm-hmm. it has to be half sisters from either side is going to be is going to be a transgression. Are we clear with that? What our Gemara is going to start out by doing, and this is going to be most of today's daf, is going to be going through back and forth 
a lot of psukim, a lot of verses proving various arayas, various forbidden relations. The first forbidden relation we're going to focus on on today's daf is um, is half-sisters. Paternally, maternally, how do we really know that maternal sisters are forbidden? So let's get into this. Alma, we see from our Mishnah. The sister of your wife, whether she is a sister paternally, whether she is a sister maternally, Asuros. She's going to be forbidden. Menolam, how do we know this? Give me the sources. Clear? Okay, Gavaldi. Answers the Gemara Yalof Ma'achaisev. Learn out from the word Achaisev. Ma'achaisev, just like when you're forbidden for your own sister, a man is not allowed to be with his own sister. Ma'achaisev, be'em na'a be'em na'a. You're not allowed to be with your half sister from your dad. You can't be together with your half sister from your mom. Avkan, be'em na'a be'em na'a. So too, when it comes to your wife's sister, it means even if the sister is from the father, even whether it is from the mother. Okay? So we want to know what's the source, Taka? Bring me a Makar. What's the source? That morning. What's the source that you're going to be forbidden paternally? Maternally, answer is from my own sister. The same way I can't have relations with my own half sister from my mother and father, so too my wife. Why do you learn it out from there instead? Why do we learn it out from the good old donkeys, the good old uncle? Yeah? Just like your your aunt who married your father's brother is forbidden only on your father's side, as we learned yesterday. You're not allowed to marry or have relations with your father's brother's wife. You're allowed to have relations with your mother's brother's wife. Okay? So it's only a paternal transgression, not a maternal transgression. So Afghan, maybe we should say so too when it comes to your wife's sister, it's only a paternal sister and not a maternal sister. Afkan and Avlaim and Ames ask the Gemara a basic question. We don't know the halacha about your wife's siblings. We don't know the about your wife's sister. Is it paternally, maternally? We don't have a source yet. If you look at it by comparing her to my own sister, then it's going to be forbidden across the board. But if I compare the status of my wife's sister to being like my father's brother's wife, then it's a problem. But if I compare it to my mother's brother's wife, it's not going to be a problem. So how do we look at this? It says, If it makes more sense to view your wife's sister to be more like your sister and be forbidden across the board, because you're, we're learning out your own generation of relatives from a different generation of relatives. Okay? You're... You're learning it. It's, it's more coming from your, your own sister and your wife's sister is more connected to an uncle. I says, no, just the opposite. Great kasha, yeah? Your wife's sister, why is she forbidden to you? Because of marriage. Your father's brother's wife. Why is she related to you? Because of marriage. So we should say, maybe your wife's sister should only be forbidden paternally and not maternally. I get the kasha. A good point, a very valid point. We're back to square one. My wife's sister. Is she forbidden when it's my wife's paternal sister? That for sure. Is she also forbidden when it's my wife's maternal sister? Well, if I compare it to me, yeah, it's a problem. My own sister, it's a problem. If I compare it to my uncle's wife, then it's not going to be a problem. So the says, We talk and learn it out from your 
um, from your, I'm, I'm sorry, a, a third place that we learned it out from. We're not, not learning it out from your uncle's wife. We're not learning it out from your own sister. Rather, Let's learn it out from your brother's wife. That is both something that comes about, a prohibition that comes about through marriage. And it's also, it's also considered to be his own relative. It covers ground on both sides. And the same way your brother's wife is usher, whether it's a paternal brother or a maternal brother, so too, when it comes to your wife's sister, she's going to be forbidden paternally and maternally. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Says it more like this. We just stated a premise. My brother's wife, I'm forbidden to whether I'm related to that brother because I share the same mother or whether I'm related to that brother because I share the same father. Either way, whether I'm a half-brother from the mom, half-brother from the dad, I'm forbidden to his wife. Ask the Gemara, how do you know? That's going to be, again, just get ready for all these sources and psukim and, you know, and uh, uh, going through the various arayas. Veishas ach gufa minola. How do we talk a note that your brother's wife is forbidden to you no matter how you are half-brothers? The tiny went to You cannot reveal the nakedness of your brother's wife. The diuk, the inference is, If he's called your brother, you're forbidden to his wife. Whether you're, you know, and if, are you a brother if you share the same mother? Yeah. Are you a brother if you share the same mother? Yeah. Never you're forbidden. Says the Gemara, one second. Who says? You're going to tell me that it means a half-brother from the mom and the dad, or, or the dad. Maybe it means only the father. Maybe it's only the father. How do you know that a brother... Uh, a logic. Listen. There's a prohibition here of having relations with your brother's wife. And there's also a prohibition of a person having relations with his own sister. So... Just like my sister, I'm forbidden to whether I share the same mom or whether I share the same dad. Afkan, so too, by my brother's wife. She's called my brother's wife, whether I'm his brother from the same father, whether I'm the brother from the same mother. Who says? No, not necessarily. Maybe you should view it differently. Maybe we should say, when it comes to your brother's wife, you're obligated. And there's an obligation on your uncle's wife, going back to that case, just like we know by your uncle's wife, your father's brother's wife. You're forbidden to only only when it's your father's brother's wife, not when it's your mother's brother's wife. Your, bro- your mother's brother's wife, you're not forbidden to biblically. Okay? Avkam and Avlemenim. So too, by my brother's wife, I should say, I'm only forbidden to her if I share the same father, but not if I share the same mother. Okay, so how do we know how to compare the case to? So Gemara says, okay, granted, there's two ways to view it, so let's get cracking over here. We're not just going to walk away and say, oh, we have a doubt and, and leave us hanging. Let's see what the halach is. So I have my options here. I'm either going to compare it to my sister or I'm going to compare it to my aunt. Let's see which category should my brother's wife be more similar to? My sister or my aunt? My sister-in-law. Should she be like my aunt or my sister? Here we go. Should we judge your own relatives from from also your own relatives? 
and and don't compare it to um, your uncle's wife. In other words, let me learn out the halacha of my brother's wife. Now, my brother's wife, I'm, I'm blood related to my brother, right? That's what's causing the prohibition here, and I'm blood related to my sister. So it makes more sense to compare my sister to compare my brother's wife to the prohibition of the sister than to compare it to my father's brother's wife. No, maybe I Maybe view it a little differently. Like we said earlier, or maybe I say, listen, why am I forbidden to my brother's wife? Because he married her. Why am I forbidden to my uncle's wife? Because he married her. So maybe I should compare my brother's wife to my uncle's wife and say the same way by my uncle's wife, I'm only prohibited if it's my paternal uncle. I'm only prohibited to my brother's wife when she's my when he was my paternal brother. Talmud Laimar comes along the Torah and says, Ervas Achichahi, she, your brother's wife, is the Arias of your brother. You hear this? Why am I forbidden to my brother's wife? Because she's like my brother. The same way my brother is my brother, whether she, he's my paternal brother or my maternal brother, she's like she li- living in her is a piece of my brother. And therefore, paternally or maternally, boom, it's going to be a prohibition. All right, again, let's keep a, a broad mind of uh, a broad picture of what we're doing here. We're not sure the prohibition of brother's wife we're not sure whether it's going to be my paternal brother, my maternal brother. We're bringing various, uh, various reasons why it should go either way. And right now what we're saying is that it should be both paternally and maternally. Now, why was I trying to figure out the status of my brother's wife? Okay, Why were we trying to do that? So that goes back to the beginning of uh, the, the top of today's daf, which was... Achais Ishtai, my wife's sister, my own wife's sister is going to be prohibited to me, similar to my brother's wife. And I wanted to know, the Gemara wanted to know, um, um, my wife's sister, am I prohibited to her paternally or maternally? We said, oh, it's both, because of your brother's wife applies to both, and now we're showing why my brother's wife applies to both. So that's how we got the whole thing started, and that's a general overview up until this point of how we got to where we are in the sugya. Okay, says the Gemara. The Ema, perhaps we should say, maybe the Pasuk of Erba Sachichahi, and also Erba Sachichahi, and the Pasuk of Erba Sachichahi, is maybe one Pasuk, is teaching me that she's usher, uh, a man's usher to his brother's wife when she has children and her husband is alive. The other one's talking about where she doesn't have children in her husband's lifetime. Now here is a very geshmaka idea. Ready for this? Listen to this. We're, a person's forbidden to his brother's wife. He's usher to his brother's wife. Yeah? So, so far that statement's clear? Brother's wife, not cool. All right. Let's say... He dies childless. You now have a mitzvah of Yibam. Are you forbidden? No. What happens if he's alive, but there's no kids? So there's no Yibam here yet. But the big word here is yet. 
since there's no yet, but there's a possibility that he could kick the bucket at any time. Maybe I would say that your prohibition to his wife, since there's living in her a capability of at some point being connected to you, is a different level of prohibition. Maybe it's a much lighter level of prohibition, and that's why I need the two psukim. That's what the Gemara is asking right here. Yeah? So our answer is no. In the bottom of Nafka, if you don't have children in her husband's lifetime, that goes back to yesterday's daf, where we learned from Ravuna that she's similar. We, we remember we called her Anida. In the same way, Anida is usher for a specific amount of time, but at certain point she may become permitted. Still, we're, we're going to say she has a complete Isser Kharis. So too over here. Maybe both verses are only prohibiting my brother's wife when it's my paternal brother. And why do we need two verses? Not to teach me that my paternal and maternal, but rather, maybe one pasuk is teaching us that she's usher when she has children. The other one's teaching us that she's usher where she has children and her husband died. Because the brother is no longer alive. Says the Gemara, one second. I don't understand. If she has children and her husband died, you don't need a pasuk to say you're usher. Why? When it says that by Yibam, if there's no children, then she becomes permitted, then we have a diuk. You could imply from there that if there were children, she's still going to be forbidden. Okay? Bottom line is, I wouldn't need two verses to teach me this. Mm-hmm. Says the Gemara Vidoma, maybe the reason why I have two psukim is, I'm sorry, maybe the diuk from Yibam is going to be, if she doesn't have any children, she's still usher to marry anybody else, unlike a regular widow, right? A regular widow, as soon as her husband dies, she's permitted to everybody else. Maybe the reason why I say, she's, uh, she's mutter to him, maybe that's coming to teach me, she's usher, she's forbidden, she's still forbidden to the rest of the world, but permitted to him. If she has children, maybe don't tell me that she's going to be usher to the oven, she didn't have kids, maybe it's kaka coming to teach me that she's mutter to everybody. Inami or in Maybe if she didn't have kids, there's a mitzvah ibum. If she has kids, maybe you have an option of marrying her. Inami, or you could say without the pusik again, in in. If she didn't have children, then you're allowed to marry her. Yesh if she doesn't have kids, well, you're not allowed to marry her for lava say I say, and it's not going to be a negative transgression, or there's going to be a positive transgression. Bottom line is, says the Gemara, you know, there's so many ways to be medayik, there's so many ways to infer without the pusuk of Eishe Sochicha, without that Pasuk, there's so many ways to imply something that Taka would not be the Halacha, that now I really need the two Psukim to teach me what the Halacha is, and now that I need both Psukim, we're back to our question. And what's the question? How do I know that I'm forbidden to my brother's wife when he is only my maternal brother? My paternal brother's wife I know. But I no longer have a pasuk telling me my maternal brother's wife. So how do I know that? That's the source we're still looking for. To which the Gemara answers. And this is going to be accepted. Kasav Krachrina. Another pasuk we haven't come across yet. Another pasuk. You know what the pasuk says? Ervas Ochiv Gila. When a person has relations with his brother's wife, he has uncovered the nakedness of his own brother's erva. You 
cannot have relations with your brother's wife unless there's a Yibam aspect here. Bottom line, if he's your brother, and we know brother is paternal and maternal, if he's your brother and she was his wife, it ain't happened. You're going to be forbidden. Okay. Hence, bottom line, I now know, let's keep a full grasp, I now know that my brother's wife is forbidden, both if he's my paternal or maternal brother. And because I know that, I also know that my sister's wife, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I also know that my wife's sister is going to be forbidden to me whether she's my wife's maternal sister or my wife's paternal sister. Because my wife's sister transgression is dependent on my brother's wife transgression. And now that we've clarified my brother's wife's transgression, I now know the top of today's Amud, my wife's sister transgression. It applies by either a paternal or maternal relationship. That's the broad view of what we've just accomplished. Okay? Kvaldik. Now the Gemara is going to enter a fascinating conversation. Fascinating conversation. Let's talk for a minute. We just established. Ready? This is amazing. This is going, this is going to cut, this is like getting into the first 55 daf, you know? Here we go. 54, we start in daf base. My brother's wife. I'm forbidden to my brother's wife whether he's my paternal or maternal brother. It's an Arias, right? The Torah tells me my brother's wife is forbidden to me. But what if he would die childless? Is that true by my maternal brother? Is there Yibum on my maternal brother's wife? No. Remember why? Because we went down from the Shvatim. The Shvatim are called Achim, they're called brothers, even though they, because they all shared the same father. They didn't share the same mother. Mm-hmm. And they're, so you see, a brother is when you share a paternal ancestry. So now what we need to clarify is as follows. You're telling me now my brother's wife, Erva, the Arias of my brother's wife applies whether this brother's related to me through my mom or whether he's related to me through my dad, whether we share the same mother or father. One second. If it's all the same thing, if outside him dissolve bazach, if the whole thing's the same thing. So why by Yibum is his wife only going to fall to me if he was my paternal brother, not if he's my maternal brother? If the erba itself is for both paternal and maternal, why not? So here we go. So says the Gemara, why don't we say that my brother's wife is the same whether he was my maternal or paternal brother. Just like my paternal brother's wife. I have a mitzvah yibum on if he dies childless. Maybe I should say that she's mutter to me. Maybe maybe no mitzvah because of like Yaakov Avinu. Okay, fine, Beseder, we got it. Maybe no mitzvah, but at least maybe she's permitted to me now because if the Arias of my brother's wife falls off when he dies childless, there's no longer an Arias. So even if she was my maternal brother's wife, I should be permitted to her. Ambar he Ervas Ochicha he. She is, what does that mean? She remains forbidden. <laughs> Incredible. Okay? So the word he tells me that my maternal brother's wife 
stays in her state even when he dies childless, as opposed to my paternal brother's wife, where the Torah tells me a separate limud, a separate learning out, that there's going to be a mitzvah of Yibu. Okay. Fine. Done with that detective work of how we know um, various arayas. Here we go. Now the Gemara is going to say, Achoso, when it comes to my own sister, Dikosav Ba Kharis, where it says you're obligated in Kharis. Obligating Kharis. Says the Gemara, Lumbly. Why do I need that? Let's go back to yesterday's daf. Yesterday's daf, on daf nun dalit. Five, uh, five lines from the top of 54b, nun dalit of the days. We quoted a Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ki kol asher yase, mi kol Anybody who transgresses any one of these abomination relationships in Arayas, what's the halacha? There's an obligation of Karis. Anytime you have relations with an Arias, anytime is a Chiv Karis. Now, any Arias, Karis. Ask the Gemara, you know, by my sister. The Torah tells me I'm obligated in Karis if I have relations with her. The Gemara is asking a basic, classic, standard Gemara question, and that is if you just told me by all Arias there's going to be Karis, why are you singling it out by my sister? Why do you got to mention it by my sister? I, I, I would include her in the verse of any time you do one of these transgressions, there's Chiyuv Kares. Why do you got to mention it here specifically? Says the Gemara. Why does it say Kares by my sister specifically? Answer the Gemara to teach me the statement of Rabbi If a person transgresses multiple Arias, it literally means all of them, but multiple Arias, with one helam echad, with one mistake, chayov al kol achas achas, you're obligated on each one. Okay, meaning you're not you, you had relations with her, but you didn't know that she was forbidden to you at the time. Now, when did you become aware that she was forbidden to you? Uh, afterwards. Okay, a guy meets a couple of nice women. He thinks he's going to marry them. He decides to marry them. He has bia with them. No problem. Uh, Shalom al Yisrael. Turns out. He finds out later, only after that, that one was his half-sister, one was his mother-in-law, yeah? It was all, it was the whole thing was one lapse of awareness. So then you're still going to be obligated for each act. Okay, now, since it was a mistake, there's no chi of kares, but whenever you have a chi of kares that's unintentional, you're going to have to bring a carbon chata. So you're going to have to bring, so, says the Gemara, okay, so according to Rabbi Echenon, I understand why we got a single out kares by Achaisai to let me know that if there was one, uh, if there was one mistake with multiple averes, you chayv on each one. Now, not everybody agreed with that. Rabbi Yitzchak argued. Well, Rabbi Yitzchak, Damar Kol Chayv Ekrises Bechlal Hayu. He says all Chayv Ekrises are included together. V'lama Yatzos Kares Bachaisai. According to him, why am I singling out kares by my sister? Excuse me. L'dane bekares le'bemalkis to judge him with kares and not with malkis. So lechalik menolon. Music has a fascinating statement, which is that in order for somebody to be obligated in a punishment, you have to be warned about that punishment. Let's say you walk over to somebody who's, out, who's doing something that would obligate them in curries. And you say, hey, Rabid, if you do that, you're going to get Malchus. Do you get Malchus? Rabid says, yeah. yeah. Says, yeah. Okay? How do you know that? 
I'm sorry. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, I'm sorry, Machlaikas. Rabbi Yitzchak says, the fact that it says Kares by your sister teaches me you don't get Malkus. There's only Kares. There's only Kares. I'm sorry. The Chum argument. The Chum say you do get Malkus. Rabbi Yitzchak says you don't. So now Rabbi Yitzchak used the word Kares of Achaisai to teach me that you don't get Malkus. So if he's already using the word Kares by my sister, so how does he know? We're back to our question. Lechalek Manolan, how does he know that there's going to be um, even if you have different arayas and you make a mistake, you're going to be ha- that you're going to be chayev on each one. He learns it out from a woman who is in her state of impurity as a nida, like sikrav. You should not come close to lechayev al isha to obligate us on for each and every woman. Okay, period. Fine. We have a good answer. Again, what was our original question? Why do you got to mention kare specifically by achoso if kare is included in the Inclusive pasuk, we have two reasons why. Okay, let's keep going. Again, our entire daf is going to be going through various arayas and the sources and why they're obligated <coughs> and what they're obligated. Here we go. The Torah says that um, if you marry your paternal uncle's wife, your father's brother's wife, not your maternal, again, your father's brother's wife, Zechiv Karis. And the Torah writes, Aririm Yihu. They're going to be Aririm. Aririm means they're going to be barren. They're not going to have children, which is one of the which was one of the things that takes place with Karis. Okay? Why do you got to mention it over there? I know this Karis. To answer the Gemara, the Rabbah, because of Rabbah's teaching, the, the Rabbah Rami, Rabbah was bothered by a contradiction. Ksiv Aririm Yihu, it says it's going to be Aririm. Ksiv Aririm Yamusu. Either it says they're, they're not going to have children. And, and then it says they're going to die without children. Okay? So not only is he not going to have children now, he's not going to have children by the time he dies. Okay, I don't understand. Why, what's the change of expression? A person has children in his lifetime, he's five curries, they could die before him. He'll continue not have children. Because Rachman Ariram Yiru, if the would have only written, they're not going to have children, Havamina Archete. I would say any child born before the Avera is going to, you know, can die before the parent. Your children right now can die. But once you completed the sin and now you have children afterwards, lie. I would say that the punishment of Karis won't apply to a child born afterwards. Because of Rachmana, why not? Right? Why not? Because if you had this kid, it must be that you're not held accountable, otherwise you wouldn't have kids in the first place anymore. Because Rechman Arim Yamusu, if the Torah says, no, they're going to die without children, because Rechman Arim Yamusu, have me the Mechat of Eilach, only from the Avera and on, you're going to have, you're going to, um, the children will die. I've only Karolai, but any, any child who was previously born is not included in the Chi of Kares, Tzricha, hence we need the Pasuk. Okay, fine. Period, end of that conversation. Okay, we have our sources all lined up. Now we're going to get into the actual act of intercourse. Something we touched on yesterday. At what point of the intercourse do I become, do I become obligated in curries? Do I need a complete insertion of the aver, of the male organ? Does it need to be a complete insertion? Is it partial? Is it just touching of the genitals to each other? 
what's going on here? So that's going to be um, the, uh, the next conversation. Let's get going. Says the Gemara, Hara'a dechayve lavin menola. Okay. We know that a partial bia, where you have only part of the male organ that's inserted, okay? We know that when it comes to arias, is going to be forbidden. We learned that yesterday. What about by chayve lavin? By a regular, a lighter negative transgression. Now it is forbidden in the Torah, but it's a lighter transgression, okay? Everything else, remember, is learned out from Nida. Right? The partial bia of a Nida, so too, anytime you have a chi of kares. But by a chai of lav, which is less, maybe we're also less sensitive to the act that's needed. And perhaps if you do a partial bia, a hara'a, a partial insert, maybe I'm not going to be obligated. Okay? Let's look for a source. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Midigali Rachmana, Shifchas Zera, Gabi Shifcha Harufa. When the Torah says that you're obligated for uh, for Shifcha Zera, laying with seed, that seems to imply a complete intercourse. Okay? So it, that's said by a um, by Shifcha Harufa, by a uh, maidservant who is set aside, it literally means designated. That seems to imply that Chayve Lavin is is going to be obligated even in a partial relationship. Okay, fine. Now, a Shivka Harufa is a fascinating case. If you ever want to ask a trivia of, you know, give me some circumstances where you're allowed to have a completely Jewish male have relations with a non-Jewish woman, it's a Shivka Harufa. The halacha is, the Torah tells us, if you have an Eved Kanani, you have a Jew, uh, I'm sorry, an Eved Ivri, a Jewish servant. You can mate that Jewish servant with your non-Jewish maidservants to have children and the non-Jewish maidservants remain with the mother because they're not Jewish. And then when he goes free, after, you know, by his maximum of six years, he's going to go free, but you're going to remain with the kids. So a Shivcha Harufa uh, is this non, is, is this Shivcha Kananis this non-Jewish maidservant who set aside for the uh, for the Eved Ivri. Okay. Lost the place. I'm sorry. Oh, says Gemara. One second. Why you? In, why, why are we inferring that a of lav is behara is with a partial be I'm just the opposite. Since the Torah tells me. That hara'a is obligated by krisis, like we learned yesterday from Nida, when there's arayis, we should imply, what's the, flip, what, what's the other side of that coin? That if it's only a negative transgression, maybe you need a complete bia to be obligated. Amar says, no. Imkain, if the diuk, if the inference would be that chabilav, you need a gemar bia, lishtay krabi shivcha harufa. The Torah shouldn't have mentioned anything about a shivcha harufa, right? Because by a regular lav, if all you would need is a Gemar Bia, so he already would have made that diuk. Already would have said that. Why do you got to mention the Shivcha Haruva specifically? Must be that it's only by a Shivcha Harufa that we're going to be lenient and not by other Chayve Lavin. Says the Gemara, Hara, the Chayve Lavin, the Kuhunam and Allah. Okay, so now we know a partial Bia is forbidden by Chayve Lavin. What about Chayve Lavin that's Usr when it comes to Kuhuna? Now, 
Why would I think it's different? Because since it's only applying to one part of Klal Yisrael, it's considered to be a lighter type of transgression. Not that there's less of a tshuva that needs to be done, but it's, it's harder to transgress. If it's harder to transgress, maybe it takes more of an intercourse to transgress it. Okay, so how do, maybe you need a gemar bia by kahuna. How do you know her ra'a itself is going to be tra- forbidden? Asya kicha kicha. Learned that from a regular woman. It says, it says uh, kicha. By kare says kicha to take by kahuna. And the same way by a chi of kares. There's going to be a, uh, you're forbidden even by a partial bia. So too by kahuna. Okay, let's keep going. What about chayve asay minalan? How do you know by a chi of asay, how do we know that a partial bia is going to be forbidden as well. Now, let's explain. And let's uh, always give a Yashikayach for Rashi, one of the biggest Balei Chazen, yeah, in our history, helping us out. So here's the deal. We've been dealing with most forbidden relationships. The Torah says, do not lay with that woman, right? Do not, do not, do not. And sometimes like that, if you do it, you have courage, do it. There's other times where you're forbidden to a woman actually through a positive commandment. For example, Rashi tells us, Dar Shlishi, this is the last line of Rashi, Dar Shlishi Yavai. Yeah? If you have a, a woman who converts from the nation of Mitzrayim, a Mitzri woman, or Edom, you're not allowed to marry them until the third generation. And you know how the Torah writes it? Listen to this. The Torah says, the third generation you should marry with. Let me ask you a question. Ready? If you were to marry generation one and two of a Mitzri woman, a Mitzri woman who just converted, she herself converted, did the Torah say anywhere you cannot lie with her? No, the Torah said, the third generation you can marry. That's a positive way of saying it. So if I were to have relations with her in the first or second generation, I've transgressed in say. I've transgressed the positive mitzvah. So now the Gemara is asking, how do I know that a partial bia is going to be a problem even by a transgression that's coming about through an asay? That's what we need to clarify over here. We now turn to the top of Omer Beis. Enters the Gemara. Asya bia bia. It's learned out from bia bia. The same way it says, uh, it says the word yavoy to come into the third generation. And by Allah, it also uses the word layavai, not to come into. So we make it Zereshava. You can make Zereshava, the two words, whatever's going to be forbidden by a negative, by Allah, is going to be forbidden by an essay. Okay, fine. Says Gemara Yavamala Shukmanala. And how do we know that Hara'a, a partial bia, is, is usher by a Yavama who's marrying to the Shuk? If you have a woman who's waiting for her Yavam, and a guy from the marketplace goes and takes her and has a partial beer with her. How do I know she's forbidden to the shuk? Why? Because again, remember, every time you have less people that you're forbidden to, we're going to consider it that it takes more to transgress. Because it's a lower level transgression, so to speak. So it takes more. So maybe I should, I would think you maybe need a complete beer for Yavama to the marketplace. It says the Gemara, Ilaman Damar Lav Lav, Ilaman Damar Say I'll tell you what the answer is. Because if you transgress with a woman in the market, a yavam the marketplace, it's either a lav or an assay. If it's a lav, we already proved that a that hara'a, a partial bia by a lav is a transgression. And if you say it's an assay, 
we prove that a person will be able to say this. So what do you, what's your question? So Mara says, Ali Minalam. Oh, how do we know? So this is more fascinating. How do we know that if a Yavam and Yavama have relations, even if it's a partial relation, this goes back to the beginning of our parak? How do you know if it's a partial relation, you've fulfilled your mitzvah of Yibum? Meaning if the Yavam has hurrah with the Yavama, how do we know that's the mitzvah's done? Maybe we need a Gemar Bia. Asya Bia Bia. How do we know that a partial intercourse by a regular marriage is considered a marriage, right? Isha Niknes, how do you, how do you uh, marry a woman? What are the options? There's three ways to marry a woman. What are the ways? Kesef, with money, which is what we do nowadays. Shtar, you give her a marriage document. Or Bia, a man and woman have relations for the purpose of marriage. How do I know a partial intercourse is going to make you married? Because it says taking by a regular marriage and by kares also it says taking gavaldic. Hence, it all falls back into those sources. Okay. So now what we just explained is, ready? Basically, every time we asked about a partial intercourse being considered a complete intercourse, what do we say? That's right. That's right. A partial intercourse is a complete intercourse. We are so far, so far, are, are we, that, that's pretty clear. We've covered multiple territories, multiple places, and in each place, a partial intercourse is a complete intercourse. Okay. Now the Gemara, beautifully, is going to teach us some lessons, and with these lessons is going to question what we just said. Amar Rava, says Rava. Lama li dekasa rachmana shivcha zera b'shivcha charufa. Shivcha zera be'ishasis, shivchas zera besaita. Why shivcha zera again? To lie down with a woman with zera with seed. That is the connotation of a partial bia or a complete bia. What do you say? If you're lying with a woman and there's zera, huh? Complete. Yeah. Says the Gemara. One second. You know, there's three times in the Torah. Where it uses the word Shechvas Zera. Okay. Ask the Gemara. <coughs> that seems to imply you need a complete Bia. Why does it write Shechvas Zera if we've just established that really you don't need complete Bias for anything to happen? You're writing a partial Bia, even without seed, is going to be forbidden. So why are you writing that? A good Kasha. Says the Gemara. The Shivchas Harufa Kedamar. When it comes to a shiv, uh, uh, um, a Shivcha Harufa, right? This woman who's who's um, set aside for an evidentiary and somebody else has relations with her. Okay? So Kedamaran, it's like we said, I would have thought that since you're already Chayev in Malkus, so it's also going to be Chayev in, a, in a Asham, so on and so forth. So we understand why it says Shivchas Zerah. The Eshesish, why do you got to say Shivchas Zerah by a, a married woman? Prat the Mishamesh Mace. Okay? This excludes a person who has relations with a mace. Now, what's a mace? A mace over here, Rashi says, does not mean, God forbid, a dead person. That's not what we're dealing with over here. Rashi says, if the, if the man it does not have an erection, if he's not hard, okay? 
So mace means the male organ itself is dead. It's soft. So um, if the male organ was soft, that's not included in the biblical transgression of Eishasish. It's not included in the biblical transgression of Eishasish. Why? Because again, the Torah says, Sheikh Vazera, when the organ is dead, when the organ is soft, there's not going to be any zera coming out. Okay? Says the Gemara, one second. Is that true? Is that, is that premise? Right? Is that premise true? That if the organ itself is soft, that it's not going to be a transgression? Okay. If you're of the opinion that, that when it's, it's soft and the word reasoning that was dead, Right and no zera could come out your pot. They're fine. I get it. I get why it says shivchazer. But if you hold your chayev, no, Michael Mimer. Back to our question. Why you gotta say shivchazer by a married woman? It's coming to exclude. Actually, if a person has relations with a dead woman, a woman who passed away. If you think the terror doesn't cover all bases, here you go. I would have thought to say. You know, is a, a person whose wife passes away, is she still called his wife? You know, the marriage ended, but listen, you know something? She's still called your relative. A Kohen is allowed to be metame at his relative's funeral. If you say that you're not married anymore, she's not your relative. No, she's still called Sheira. She's still called relative after death. I would say if a person has relations with... Uh, a woman who passed on, you're obligated in Arias, like a full-fledged Eishasish. Kamash Vilan comes along the Torah and says, no, you're not. You're not. Says the Gemara, okay. Fine. So now we know why it says Sheikh Vazera by a married woman. And we also know why it said Sheikh Vazera by uh, Shifcha Harufa. Now, there was a third time where it used the word Sheikh Vazera, and that was by a Saita. <coughs> that was by a Saita. To Saita Lomali. Why do it say the word Sheikh Vazera by a Saita? The Tanya Lantana Bray says Sheikh Vazera Prat Ledavar Acher. Okay? Sheikh Vazera, that's when you're obligated to exclude the Dover Acher, to exclude the other thing. Ooh, sounds mysterious. Says the Gemara, my Dover Acher, what is this mysterious other thing that's excluded? Amar of Sheikh says, Prat Le Shekine La Shaloi Kedarka. This excludes where a husband says to his wife, I don't want you to be with that guy and have an unnatural relation with him. You know what that is? Nothing. That's not called a warning. Sheikh Vazera teaches me that for a Saita to be in a category of Saita, the warning has to be where he warns her not to have relations where it could lead to Zara. Now, Zara doesn't overhear the way Zara means it, the possibility of children. You could have seed when you have relations with a woman in an unnatural way. Well, here it's referring to the ability of children. Since he warned her not to have relations with him in an unnatural way, so that's not sight. That's what Shikh Zara said. Amale Rav, Rav says, Mishkave Ishaksiv. It already says Mishkave Isha, which is the way that a woman lies. That already teaches, teaches me that it needs to be in a natural way for her to be a sight. So don't tell me that this Pusik is teaching me that as well. And only two verses teach me the same halacha. Allah Rav, rather, Rav says, Pratli Shekini la Okay? It's, uh, she's not a Saita if, uh, if he warned her, Derech Evarim, where he says, Listen, don't you dare touch him. Don't touch him. If he says that, that also doesn't make her a Saita. Okay? 
Amr Abai, Abai says, what do you mean? Pritsusa also Rahmana, why not? The Torah says that even for pritzus, breaking physical boundaries between each other, even if it's, it's not actual intercourse, is going to be forbidden. So we know that it's forbidden, but is it going to make her a saita? Not going to make her a saita, right? Okay, so you touch each other. So I don't need a pasuk to tell me off. He says, don't even touch him. You're not a saita. Oh, you're not a saita. A saita means you had, you had an element of relations. Ready for this? He tells her, you know how he warns his wife? He says, don't you dare allow your osomakum, your private area, to even touch his male organ. They can't even, that's what he says. He didn't say don't have relations. He said, I don't even want the, your, your genitals touching each other. That's what he tells her. Says Gemara. One second. If you hold, what's considered a partial bia? What's considered a partial bia? So, if you say a partial bia means that the man puts in the, he enters his crown. Okay, the word atara means crown. Now, what's the crown? So, the crown on a male organ is the, the tip part. What's called in English, interestingly, it's called the corona. Okay, and that's the tip. And a partial bia is when the man doesn't only touch the tip, but a partial bia has to be where you insert the entirety of, of uh, the, the corona of the organ. So this whole conversation makes sense. Al-Lamanda Amar Zunashika, but according to Manda Amar, who says that it's just the kissing of both the male organ and the female organ, and it, all you need to do is touch. My ikala memar, what are you going to say? Meaning, if even the touching of the man and woman is considered to have relations, so should she be considered a saita if they do this? Yeah. Because again, what the, what's the classic case of saita? Don't you dare have relations with this guy. If you tell me that nishika, just touching of the genitals... It's considered a relation, so this is a full-fledged site. I don't need a pasuk. It's called a relation. Says the Gemara, you're right. Ella, rather, listen to this. Here's what happened. He told his wife, you, the two of you, better not even physically touch. And I still need the Torah to tell me she's not a saita. Again, I would say, of course she's not a saita. Well, what do you do? You hold, your body's touched. Got it. Right? Big deal. Says no. Maybe I would talk to think she's a saita with that. Why? So I mean, I would have thought to say a big fade in the The Torah says, listen, the husband's matbid. The husband cares. And he says clearly to her, don't you dare touch. Okay? So maybe it should make her a saita. Because that's what that's what the warning that he gave, and that's what he cares about. Therefore, the Torah lets us know that no, even though he cares about that, that there's no element of Relations within that, and therefore she's not going to be considered a saito. Okay, fine. Amar Shmuel, let's keep going on this topic of partial bia, partial relations. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Hara'a, partial relations, zu nishika. It's just the kissing, right? It's just the touching of the male and female organs. 
And I'll, he says, let me give you a parable of what's it similar to. A person who puts his finger on his mouth. There's certainly going to be an element of pressure against his flesh. Says Shmuel, a fascinating thing. He says, do you know why? He says, I'm telling you the logic. Why is it called intercourse when the male organ touches the female organ? Why? All you did is touch. He says, no, no, no. Listen closely. If you were to put your finger on your lips, since the lip area is so full of tissue, it's soft, where it's impossible to touch your lip without there being any sort of indent happening to the lip, the same thing holds true with the male and female organs. As soon as the male organ touches the female organ, the female organ is soft, so the male organ is naturally going to place even a small amount of pressure and therefore is considered inserted as soon as it touches. That's the logic. Ki Gemar Bia, Zu You should know, a complete Bia by a Shivcha Harufa is considered inserting the Atara, the tip of the male organs. He says that if a, listen to this, if a Gemar Bia is inserting the tip of the male organ, let me ask you a question, what's a, what's a partial Bia? If a Gemar Bia is inserting the tip, so what's hara? It's got to be just the touching. And therefore, this falls very much in line with, um, with Shmuel's ruling. Masiv Rosh Hashish, Rosh has a challenging question. Sheikh Vazera, when by a Shiv Harufa, a woman who set aside, a Shiv Kinan set aside for an every. Sheikh Vazera, you now let it lie with her with seed. That seems to imply that you know when you're obligated? When there's Bias Hameruk. When there's actual sperm, when there's actual seed. That's, that comes out. My love, my rookid. Doesn't it mean that there's seed that comes out of the male organ? Now, if that's true, ready for this? How can you tell me that a complete bia is inserting the tip? Over here you see, you mamish need the release of zera. This is where Allah, meirukatara. Yeah? All it means is, there could be an insertion of just the crown, but there's still seed that came out. Partial bia is when you only insert part of the aver, the tip of the aver, the corona. Amrulay, they said to him, argues, and he holds that it's not considered hara, he holds it's considered a complete bia. Okay, one of us is one of us is not telling the truth over here. Yeah. No, one of us is, is not uh, quoting Rabbi Yechanan correctly. Okay. He quotes Ravichanan to say, what's considered a partial bia, inserting the Raisha Atara, the tip of the Aver. I'm sorry, just read there. Adarabah means the opposite. He says, no. Adarabah Okay, this statement of Rabbah, of Ravin, I'm sorry, quoting Ravichanan, is certainly arguing on Rabbah Barbachana. Because Rabbah Barbachana quoted Ravichanan to say that a partial. Uh, up, up, um, that the, the Atara, inserting the Atara, is considered a Gemar Bia. And now he's saying it's Hara. So that's certainly arguing on that. But at the Shmuel, Milei Mapalik. But is Ravin arguing on Shmuel? Now Shmuel said, what's considered Hara? Just the touching. Right? Just the touching 
of the Aver is considered touching. So when Ravan came and he said that it's, it's uh, inserting the Atara, is that arguing on Shmuel or not? There's no Machlag. It's been a Shika, Va'ad, Hachnosas, Atara, Hara'a, Karada. You know what it means? From the time that the genitals touch until the tip, the corona is entered, that's all card called beginning of Bia. Once you get past the tip, that's not going to be considered a Gemar Bia. Kiyosar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Amar Vechanan. When Shmuel Bar Yehuda came, he said the name of Vechanan, Hara'a, Zuachnosas, Atara. Hara'a, partial Bia, is inserting the Atara, Gam, uh, Gemar Bia, Gemar Bia, Mamish. And Gemar Bia means Mamish a Gemar Bia. Okay, what is a Gemar Bia? A complete insertion also with, with a release of Zera. Mikan Ve'ilach, we turn, now turn to tomorrow's daf, from here on forth, meaning, if let's say you didn't insert the Atara, you did less than that, Enayel Neshika, Upater Aleha, Upalagashmul. This is only considered a kiss, it's only considered touching, and it's actually not going to be considered a partial intercourse with Palagash Shmuel. And this statement clearly argues on Shmuel, because Shmuel told us that even a Neshika is going to be a problem because of his muscle of the finger and the lips, since there's, there's a guarantee to be a, a, a little bit of a pressure there. But the said this will argue on Shmuel. All right, Kavaldik, we'll hold it here for today. Bezrem, we will pick up from here tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful night, everybody. Uh, actually a wonderful day. It's still the morning and I get in Chaydash. Have a wonderful Chaydash. Mincha this week, I think it's 7.40. So we'll do Daf at 6.40. Uh, 6.40 p.m. Uh, for the week. Gavaldik. All right. Shwendu Seshikayach.